the more information your provider has about your health history, the better decisions that you can make. Welcome to Agency for Change, a podcast from Kid Glove that brings you the stories of change makers who are actively working to improve our communities. In every episode, we'll meet with people who are making a lasting impact in the places we call home. I'm going to share a story reported by healthcare journalist Dan Gorenstein for Marketplace. And I promise the reason why will make sense in just a moment. An older man walks into a hospital in Northwest Indiana. He doesn't know what's wrong, but he tells the doctor he's extremely uncomfortable. He says he's been to three other hospitals that day, but did not get the answers he needed. The man's symptoms suggest the possibility of an infection or the beginnings of cancer. But to confirm, the doctor on call would have to conduct a series of tests, everything from labs to x-rays and CT scans. The whole process could take anywhere from four to six hours and cost thousands of dollars. But instead, the doctor was able to access the man's medical records, which included his history of tests, prescriptions, and more from all the other hospitals he's been to. And they got back to him in just minutes rather than hours later. Sounds pretty nice, right? But the reality is this is an extremely uncommon occurrence. Most providers don't talk to each other, even in an era of digital medical records that can enable this kind of sharing. They're competing after all. To further complicate things, a mishmash of different technologies, vendors, software systems, and the sensitive nature of patient data itself makes it challenging for providers to transfer your information to one another. So what's the fix for this complicated problem? Luckily, a company called Sync Health is working on this exact issue, as well as providing a number of other powerful tools that allow providers to collaborate, access data analytics, monitor prescriptions, and more. So stick with us as we chat with the president and CEO of Sync Health about the challenges behind sharing patient records and how the company's providing healthcare outcomes and the good work they're doing to better the community through the Sync Health Foundation. Hello, everyone. I'm Lisa Bowen, Vice President Managing Director at KidGlove, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Agency for Change podcast. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Jamie Bland, President and CEO of Sync Health, which is using the power of data to enable care teams to work together for better health outcomes, lower costs, and thriving communities. Well, that is no small task, Jamie. I'm eager to talk with you to learn more about the great impact you're making on the community and in the healthcare system overall. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, let's start. For anyone who's listening and hasn't heard of Sync Health, can you describe what it is you do and who you help? Sure. So Sync Health is the statewide health information exchange for both Nebraska and Iowa. And then we have the prescription monitoring program for the state of Nebraska as well. Uh, with the rollout of electronic health records in the early 2000s, the there was a, a piece of regulation or guidance from Health and Human Services on the federal side that created a concept called Health Information Exchange, which connects different electronic health records. So each electronic health record comes from a branded entity. So there might be company A provides an EHR to one hospital and company B provides 
an EHR to another hospital. But those two don't necessarily talk unless there's an intermediary, which is what health information exchange is. So we essentially ensure that your data follows you from one provider to the next, or that a provider has access to a longitudinal health record that makes clinical decision-making uh, a little bit easier for in complicated uh, clinical scenarios. That's amazing. It seems like a no-brainer, but it's probably no easy task as we'll find more about today right. talking with you. So really quickly, I'd like to ask you about your career path because not only are you president and CEO of this up-and-coming company, but you worked for the U.S. Army, the VA, and held a number of other positions in the medical field. I started my career as a staff nurse in a local hospital in, in Omaha. And uh, shortly after 9-11, I moved overseas to Qatar to support the U.S. Army clinic in, in, uh, in Doha, Qatar. I planned on being there for two years. Uh, my husband was in the military. He was then supporting some communications work um, in, in that country. But it, we ended up staying for, for over nine years. So about nine and a half years we were in in, in Doha. Um, and for six of those years, I supported uh, various clinical roles working with the Army and the host nation hospitals to, to support care for active duty service members, contractors, and civilians in the country. So after my work with the Army, I worked for, um, it was a project with Well Cornell Medical College, the first degree-granting entity that met ACGME standards with a hospital in Doha. So it was a women's and children's hospital. So I got to build a brand new hospital, implement a national health record, um, and do a number of different exciting things that were first for the country. And then came back and wanted to pursue my uh, doctorate of nursing practice from Creighton. So I finished that in 2015. And all through that period of time from uh, 2011 to 2015, I was working with the VA on some healthcare transformation efforts. So moving primary care to patient-centered medical home and the data that's necessary to support that kind of health transformation work. I worked at a ACO, clinically integrated network as well, and ended up here at Sync Health, which was then knee high to, to grow the health information exchange and, and a number of different activities. So it's a varied winding path to health information exchange, but always had you know, different care coordination challenges with data and understanding the connectedness of people's encounters across the healthcare ecosystem and connecting those to create a whole health picture from my role as a nurse and then applying that for health information exchange has been beneficial for community as well as policymakers and, and providers and people. Wow, you really bring a wealth of knowledge. And I can imagine that being in the military, moving around a lot makes you want to make this right even more and, you know, to have people's records follow them because, you know, it's tough enough locally making mm -hmm. sure you're going to providers that are communicating. But when it's on a national level, it's even more complicated, isn't it? Absolutely. So just to paint a picture, Jamie, for people, um, what would you say the current healthcare system is like right now in terms of offering the service that services that Sync Health provides? I, I really think we're entering into a golden age of interoperability. We've done a lot, a decade of work in Nebraska specifically on interoperability. The health information exchange was started by the local Omaha hospitals, recognizing that to serve people, they needed to share data despite being competitive. So in 2005, that conversation started 
And by 2008, the Nebraska Health Information Initiative, which is the name Sync Health previously went by, was formed. And uh, 2009 is when we started exchanging data. That decade or more of experience in the challenges of sharing data, data standards, was really born out of uh, a passion to provide better care for you know the citizens that are being served by our health systems locally. And over time, healthcare regulations caught up with what that looks like from an interoperability perspective. There's national interoperability efforts to um, create these exchanges across regions and across the nation. The the work that's done here in Nebraska, though, we've, we've learned a lot in that decade. And we are a national leader in this space and are often called on by federal entities and and national organizations to tell our story about the work that we've done. I think where we're really different is that uh, because we have a number of clinicians involved in the technology components, the infrastructure that we built is really targeted towards people, providers, and, and the public and population health needs, our ecosystem, which includes community, health systems, independent providers, public health entities. And that was really something that we're able to capitalize, you know, during the pandemic as well as, you know, in our regular um, healthcare encounters. That's a huge accomplishment. And so Mm -hmm. in what ways do you feel like this is what, you know, the work you've done is working and in what ways do you feel like there's still things that are broken that we need to address? Yeah, there's still a lot of gaps in interoperability nationally. And there's a little still resistance in the sharing of information for the technology to catch up with where the regulation is or, technology resources to be available. It's, it's, it's not easy work by any means, but you know, the need for data to follow the person is I think something much more well understood today than it was even five years ago. And the push from the federal side for data standards so that the ease about interoperability and things like matching records across disparate systems as something that has, you know, been better developed in the past five years than the previous 15. Wonderful. So you're clearly leading the way. You mentioned that you're you're getting called on nationally to tell people how you've done what you're doing here uh, in Nebraska. What are you doing specifically to address those shortcomings that you're, you mentioned? So we're serving on a number of leaders from our organization are ser- serving on national boards. Um, we're in direct communication with entities like the Office of the National Coordinator or CMS, so that we can communicate what are our challenges so they can um, incentivize different activities with um, electronic health records or work with providers so that they have incentives to ensure that the connectedness of their health records are, are actually sharing information that's valuable across the system. That type of advocacy um, up to national agencies, and then we look work with uh, local policymakers as well so that you know we can work to fund components that ensure more uh, data is following the, the person. Uh, so one of our most recent activities is to connect community-based organizations. So when there's healthcare that happens outside of the traditional healthcare system, I think community-based organization, we can help those entities that are typically equipped with an electronic health record share information back so that data can be uh, attached to an individual's health record and that can flow back to their primary care provider or specialty care provider. If you think about diabetes and how complex uh, managing a chronic illness is, 
you know, not all of the care that we get happens inside of a hospital. So when we can connect that information that happens in the community, whether it be issues with electricity, so my refrigerator stays, or I need an air conditioner, or I need certain things that will help me manage my disease process better. Those types of things are important for healthcare to know, as well as other community service workers or people that are helping manage uh, that chronic disease. That connectedness helps a better whole health outcome in the end. Well, I never would have thought about the importance of those community entities being involved in, in the work and that communication. That's amazing. So not having to worry about to be able to walk into any hospital, not having to worry about if the providers there you know, are going to have your records or not sounds amazing. But how can a patient find out if their provider is partnering with Sync Health and what can they do if, if they're not? I think there's a an effort to update our webpage so that all the health system providers that are participating uh, will be available on our webpage. But also there's an opportunity to opt out of sharing information if that's not something that you wanna do. And usually that happens at your encounter and the provider will ask you, do you wanna participate in data sharing across national networks or local networks? And if they do that, you're opting into sharing your information. There's always the opportunity to not share your information as well. So that's part of what uh, your provider should be asking you on a, it should be at least on an annual basis, if not at every encounter. Great. So you've talked about a lot of the great work that you're doing at Sync Health. Are there any specific services you want to talk about that you offer that people might not be aware of? So we're rolling out this year, Patient Portal. So that'll be a service that we offer to the community and you can get access to the information that we have available from the aggregated records. This is a longitudinal health record. So if you think about the patient portal you might have from hospital A or hospital B, this is a connected record. And not necessarily everything is there, but as much as we have connected for the link that we've had the data connected as well as uh, medications. If you think about, oh, I always forget to tell my uh, provider about taking this medication or, or that uh, medication. Uh, This has all medications that are dispensed in the state of Nebraska. Um, So it is a one-stop source of truth for your provider to have access to that information. Well, that's great that, you know, I can't even imagine I've had procedures done at multiple hospitals and having to remember how to log into each of those. And and when you don't do it frequently and forget, um, having that Mm -hmm. one-stop shop would be great for providers and and consumers. So privacy is such a big topic of conversation when we talk about healthcare data. How does your company safeguard patient information and what challenges are there in sharing that sensitive data? Yeah, so I think first, um, just back to the opt-out conversation, it's always um, an option for folks to uh, opt out of sharing information. And then we've, you know, security is paramount for our organizational strategy. We have gone through various security programs to ensure that we're meeting the highest uh, industry standard for uh, privacy and security. So things like high trust certification or SOC 2 is another name for a security program. But this ensures that we have the right policies, we have the right governance, we have the right infrastructure to ensure that we're safeguarding that information. The tools that we use are you know, state-of-the-art tools similar to the, what the U.S. government uses to safeguard national secrets. So that t- type of security is um, how we manage our our broad infrastructure, and then the data governance. So how we share information, who can access the information, 
HIPAA has a treatment payment and operations component. So that's how we start to ask the questions initially. So is this provider asking for treatment purposes? Then yes, it's an allowable access. If they're accessing for payment or operational purposes, think about pre-approvals, right, for your insurance. That might be something that provider wants to access information um, in the HIE for. So those have much more limited use cases than the treatment um, use cases that you might be familiar with from provider to provider making referrals. So I think all of those types of governance components are present in the organization and are, is uh, very robustly implemented. These are things that we also uh, share nationally, the ability to reach such certifications, implement governance, um, engage the community, bring different types of data sets into the organization are all signs of maturity and uh, the fact that we've been around for over a decade. Great. And, you know, the more that you can tout that security and protecting and the governance that you have with that data, I, I think the more people you'll get to opt in, which is which is what right. we all want and need, right? Yeah. So a little bit more about Seek Health. So what people might not know is that you were found as, as a 501c3, and it feels like that was a really intentional choice for you. Can you talk to me about that designation and how it impacts the work you do? Right. So we're a 501c3 nonprofit. We're a public-private partnership. So we work with the state of Nebraska and in different public health initiatives, um, thinking, you know, the opioid crisis, the prescription monitoring program, that kind of work. And then pivoting towards health systems and the data they need for different quality programs and regulatory aspects. So that type of partnership ensures that we have more of a utility type of application to health information exchange than just having some static information that people can query, right? So um, it's, it's a different approach, but it also is one that serves the community and serves people and providers which is where the nonprofit status comes in. So we don't monetize data in any way. It's really about pushing data to the points of care where it's needed, and then to ensure that people would have access to data as well. So that's where the patient portal component comes in. So I also understand that your organization is helping to give back through the Sync Health Foundation. What kind of work are you doing to benefit the community through, through the foundation specifically? Yeah, so we uh, received a, a philanthropic gift in the end of 2019 and early 2020. If you think way back to pre-pandemic, uh, it was really to focus on uh, community integration and some of the work we talked about, about engaging community providers. And uh, the work of the foundation is focused on how do we empower uh, community organizations to have data that help inform their work, but also help different aspects of the public and the private entities to and look re really broadly at population health in Nebraska and, and Western Iowa and Iowa broadly as well. So through our governance, we've been able to establish a way that we can provide um, aggregate information on really broad pop population health topics like asthma or behavioral health and use that information to empower community-based organizations to design programming around interventions that will help reduce admin, asthma admissions, or uh, look at uh, behavioral health access and a number of different interventions that would improve the health of the community. So that's really where the Sync Health Foundation, Nebraska Healthcare Collaborative, um, partnering with uh, both Creighton University and the University of Nebraska system um, to look at academic components are focused. How does someone access those funds if they have a program they would like to help better the community with through the foundation? 
Yeah. So right now there's an application process on the website. So then uh, sinkhealth.org, and then you can look at um, our partnering organizations, the Healthcare Collaborative, and putting a project through the project request process that goes through, you know, because of our security and our privacy and our governance process, it does go through a few steps to ensure that we're uh, providing de-identified information, the project isn't in alignment with the mission of the organization, and that there's data privacy considerations too. So that's actually the process to gain approval for the project from a data perspective. And then there's also uh, different processes that we may actually fund a project uh, that would be a community benefit as well. So that's all outlined on uh, the Nebraska Healthcare Collaborative and Sync Health Foundation pages of the website. So synchealth.org. Got it. So we've talked about a lot of really great accomplishments. What's next for Sync Health? Well, I think it's really just focusing in on continuous improvement uh, for the Nebraska market. And then we've uh, recently expanded into Iowa. So we'll be supporting interoperability efforts in Iowa, much like we did have in Nebraska, and creating the interoperability picture and the engagement of community as well. So I think more of a regional approach and a really focusing on that community information exchange that you know we, we've started for the past couple of years and ramping that up and ensuring that we're uh, fully resourcing that component. What are some of the greatest challenges you're seeing or foresee with you know that regional regional approach? You know, provider needs are different uh, depending on where you're at. I think that's all not new to providers, but it's definitely the interoperability issues are different between urban, rural, academic, and community hospital. And just that variation of approach and different resources that are needed definitely challenge us as an organization, but um, something we're also pretty good at being flexible to support. You know, it's it's that last mile of interoperability that gets left out from the national networks. And that's really what makes up the fabric of our healthcare um, systems in Nebraska and Iowa is those rural providers and those community hospitals really need that benefit of uh, there are patients going to urban centers like Omaha or Des Moines or Iowa City, but then that information coming back so their primary care, especially care physicians locally, can care for them um, in the in the longer term. Great. So there's lots of listeners out there that will be be paying attention to this podcast and wanting to learn more about you know sharing healthcare information. If you have some patients listening that are on the fence and in the past maybe haven't checked that box to share their information. What message would you have for them? I think the more information your provider has about your health history, the better decisions that you can make together about you know, managing chronic disease, overall long-term health. And that's beneficial not only to your personal health, but also to your provider as well. So the more that we can, can empower both individual providers as well as um, you as a person for healthcare outcomes is, is really the mission of our organization. So I'm inspired by motivational quotes. Jamie, can you give me just a few of your own words of wisdom that we can share with our listeners today? Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is one person can make a difference and everyone should try. It's a John F. Kennedy quote, but it's definitely something I've carried with me throughout my career. And this work in interoperability is hard. And that's definitely not a demotivator for me. I think we should try. We should try to make it the best possible experience for people, the best possible experience for providers. And working through those processes is really what provides us energy as an organization. 
Well, I'm happy you're not afraid of hard work because the great work you're doing, like having a background in healthcare, I know how important the work you're doing is, and I really appreciate all of your efforts. So you mentioned earlier your website. Is that the best place where listeners can go to learn more about Sync Health? Yeah, absolutely. SyncHealth.org. Great. So as we wrap up our time here today, what's the most important thing you'd like listeners to remember about the work you're doing? Interoperability is a hard word to say, but it's really about fundamentally your health information, following you as a person on your journey through your healthcare experience, and to ensure that we have the best possible health outcomes for Nebraska and Iowans across the region. Great. Who wouldn't want that, right? Right. Right. Well, I could talk about healthcare all day long with you, Jamie, but I know that you're busy and you've got a lot of, lot more great work to do out there. So I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, the world truly does need more people like you out there. So thank you so much for sharing your story and taking the time to be with us here today and, and all the great work you're going to continue to do. Thank you. It's a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed today's Agency for Change podcast. To hear all our interviews with those who are making a positive change in our communities or to nominate a changemaker you'd love to hear from, visit kidglove.com at K-I-D-G-L-O-V.com to get in touch. As always, if you like what you've heard today, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.